smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the Unprecedented Podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. John Aravosis, uh, Friday, July 17th, here with Cliff Schechter. Why, hello, John. How are you? I'm fine, even though I do not have a functioning Twitter account and we're about to find out if our guest has one either. <laughs> um, we've got Nira Tandon back with us, who's the uh, president of the Center for and CEO, actually, of the Center for American Progress. Uh, long bio, but I well, I sort of pulled out the most salient parts. Uh, former senior advisor to both President Obama and First Lady, and then Senator Clinton. I did not realize you were an LD for Senator Clinton as well. Um, I knew you were involved with her with campaign, you know, with a lot of different things, but that was interesting. Uh, Nira has a law degree from Yale, which makes me jealous because that's that was the school I wanted to go to. But Georgetown was OK um, and is the daughter of Indian immigrants, which I mentioned because I'm immigrant family. And also nowadays, I think those kind of things matter more than ever. So, Nira. Welcome back. So great to be with you. So great oh my to God. be with you. How are you feeling? So Nira, everybody, uh, sort of came out on Twitter two months ago and mentioned that she had COVID and kind of knocked you on wow, your yeah. butt. Um, that was scary. But you got really yeah, sick, it, it seems. What happened? Well, I mean, I had, I think, a moderate case, but it just tells you what a moderate case can do. So yeah. I... Uh, I tested positive for the virus. I had, I didn't have traditional symptoms, so I never had a fever. My oxygen was really fine. But a few days into the virus, I was sleeping, you know, 18, 20 hours a day. So I had massive fatigue, like just wiped out and muscle, like pretty severe muscle aches, uh, severe uh, stomach aches. And, and it just took me a long time to recover. I mean, I, my recovery was really six weeks. And that's, that's some, you know, a, these things go a relatively moderate case. I mean, I felt lucky that I never had the kind of breathing problems other people had. I had some tightness in my chest, but it seemed like most of my problems were um, elsewhere in my body. So, so pretty much exhaustion, I, exhaustion, because I know somebody who got it very mild, and she told me she was exhausted for a month where she'd get up feeling fine. She goes three hours later, I napped the rest of the day for a month. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was a lot like that. So I would do even like four weeks, five weeks in, I would go do laundry and then just feel winded for, hmm. for like, for hours. So, I wow. took, you know, obviously Did taking to, a lot of naps. Yeah. Did you deal with uh, my other, a good friend of mine from who I've known for a long time who got it, he had to go. He was telling me in his case, it was like the cold, the, the chills and sweats. Although it sounds like you didn't get the fever. So maybe you didn't get no, that. No, so like... I didn't get the fever. But, you know, this is really fascinating about the virus. I mean, usually if you're sleeping that much, your body is really fighting the virus. So sleeping 17, 18 hours a day, yeah. your body is really fighting the virus. On the other hand, I never got a fever. So it didn't manifest hmm. itself in a fever, but I very much felt. I mean, I, I just, I was completely wiped out and my head was really cloudy. That was also very scary. Like I couldn't hmm. remember things and, you know, I mean, that, that's kind of an important part of my job. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you could be president here. You could be president. With it's that true. Problem. These days the world is, is wide open to someone who doesn't know anything. So, I mean. I know, but you know, it's really amazing. It's like, actually, I think this is actually a relatively profound part of the, the pandemic, which is, um, I mean, it really shows you your country can kind of go on its own, but the pandemic really needs smart leadership. I mean, which we obviously don't have in the presidency or actually many parts of the country. But um, yeah, so it was scary. I had to say, at first I said, oh, this isn't so bad because I don't have the fever right. and my, you know, I can breathe. But then I started getting worried that I was going to be one of these people who just, you know, don't really recover. I mean, right, right in my right. fourth of the broad, week, the, the, Broadway, the guy out. on Broadway, remember the guy on Broadway, oh, his, sim yeah. his, his symptoms were your symptoms for two weeks. He simply had extreme fatigue and finally his chest kicked in week to, uh, at the end of week two. And that's when his wife took him to the emergency room and then right. downhill, but he only had the fatigue for two. But, and that's what's so terrible. It just seems like, you know, Again, they just issued a Oof. new the CDC, like some new, you know, uh, symptoms, right? And these were things that they, you know, that before we were like, oh, if you have that, it's not a problem. Like runny nose, and you brought up stomach yeah. problems. That was something that had had been not really mentioned before. It just feels like now anything could be COVID. I, 
I think that's a real, I think you've, you've really pinpointed an important point because, uh, you know, in the beginning of this, they really talked about a small sector of, of symptoms and they were cough and sneezing and fever and, uh, and, you know, sore throat. Now I had a sore throat. It just wasn't that painful, but I had a sore throat. So, hmm. but other than the sore throat, I mean, my symptoms were very much muscle pain, gas, you know, just the worst stomach aches I've ever had. And again, hmm. the fatigue. And really, those weren't the issues anyone talked about at the beginning of this. So, right. Why did uh, you get tested? Which is, By the way. Because, I mean, I got tested because I, I mean, I just thought it was unusual, honestly. Okay. Three or four okay. days into it, I really felt like, why am I still feeling sick? And why do hmm. I feel, I mean, so I like should say when I got tested, I got tested. I get tested for, and I had muscle pains. Like it, I didn't feel right. right. And then I, I actually got tested and the same day I had a strep test and I, it turns out I also had strep. So then oh, I was like, oh, it's just strep. I mean, my office yeah. call, I said I was feeling under the weather in my office call and I was like, I have strep. But then by right. the third day, I thought, oh, it's strep. I'm taking the antibiotics. It should go away by now. It's really weird that I'm not feeling any better. In fact, mm. I'm probably feeling worse. And that night, my doctor uh, hmm. emailed me that I have the virus, that I tested wow. positive. Hmm. And so, yeah, it was just a whole, I mean, it was, <laughs> and also, it's just, again, the thing about the virus, the, the really uh, last thing I'll say is how little doctors know. I mean, that is also what's so scary about all these positive cases. If, yeah. if doctors know so little about why, why it goes on so long, where it is, what it's affecting, how it can affect, uh, it's, I, Which is definitely why we should send all our kids think. back to school, right? Because um, <laughs> I, know, like, I, I like to do that. Scary. When we know very little about something, I like to send all of our children right into the sort of... And so I they mean, can bring it back real. to you. Right. I've got a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old, and, and uh, you know, we're going through those things everybody's I know. going through right now. Like, I'm not happy I... with the situation at all. <laughs> no, it's a disaster. I'm, I'm willing to say I have a 14 and 17-year-old, and hmm. it's just, it's, it's incredible and and also just the fact that the federal government did nothing over the last several months to prepare for this and it's just a you know to to socially distance in schools need a lot of resources no one's, no one's given them any resources i mean it's it's the whole I, the a pandemic is living through a pandemic and through an idiocracy is really unsettling. Yeah. i mean that's the thing i've been trying to, to explain to my friends you know in europe is who don't you know I mean, we don't have, it, for all intents and, pur and purposes, when it comes to this, we don't have a president. I mean, I knew, you know, you can go yeah. through a pandemic. It'd be like going after Pearl Harbor, having nobody answer and just be like, so what do we do? I mean, it, basically. It's, I think it's actually worse than that. I mean, I totally hear what you're saying, except I would just say, I mean, I, I said this to my husband the other day. It's, it's, it's the vaccine. I mean, I'm sorry. If the virus was an enemy combatant, right, an enemy army, I would literally think Trump is a mole for the other side. Because yeah. he, everything he does, it's not just that we don't have a president, it's, it's that everything he does is, like, helps the virus. Like, he put, mm -hmm. told states to reopen before they had a chance, before we yeah. had the virus under control. He bullied Republican governors. They all listened to him. Yeah. Many Democratic governors didn't, but they all listened to him. Then it spikes out of control. He he gives like the wrong. He wants our schools to reopen when in high incidence states. I mean, what, there are places that have low incidence where you could really, with a lot of planning, probably have schools open. I mean, they're opening. They've opened in Europe, and there isn't that much high incidence. But in places where you have the virus running out of control, to open yeah. schools is is just a disaster. And so the idea, and he can't differentiate between those two things. And it's just honestly, he's, you know, he didn't test in the beginning, so that helped the virus. He never had a national plan, which has helped the virus. He's he's been anti-mask, which has helped the virus. He's pushed. Do you think the virus has offered to set up like a Trump Tower inside of it, maybe? And so <laughs> I he... mean, it's just it's like literally. Uh, it's not that we. I mean, having no president, we'd be badly off, but it'd be you know, it it would be I think would be less bad than the 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 president we have who gives us the, he sends all the wrong messages 
all the time. I mean, do you think that's the problem with the virus? Yeah. Just one last one. Oh, yeah, yeah. The problem with the virus is, you know, that we have gone through as a country, I wrote a piece on this in Democracy mm-hmm. on a new social contract. And what I, but, you know, what, what I think is in, incredible about this virus is it's different from every other kind of national disaster in that the actions of each individual affects everybody. So you can't, you know, like the basic libertarian concept where I can do what I want and it doesn't hurt you doesn't work because, you know, if we don't, and we're seeing this now, people in Florida are doing things that affect the whole country. I'm on the New Jersey task force, the recovery and recovery task force, reopening task force. And they're, surge you know they've actually handled this really well but there are many outbreaks and they don't, they're not facing a surge but there are many outbreaks are coming are, are people the source of those outbreaks are people coming from florida texas georgia right. and this is the problem which is uh you know each of our actions actually affects lots of people and when someone gets sick and doesn't socially distance or doesn't take the appropriate actions while they're asymptomatic that is how we're ending up with three and a half million cases because we don't have a national plan. We don't, we're not giving people the right messages. And then individuals can essentially do things that harm everybody, sometimes not even thinking about it, often thinking about it, like just choosing not to wear a mask. And that's why we are where we are. Is he going for herd immunity? That's what I keep trying to figure out what he's doing. I mean, he's an idiot. Okay. But, but he, you know, day to day, he still has a brain, seemingly. So I feel like there's some goofy plan he's got. And he's just his idea of just we're going to charge right through and I'm going to get the economy back and I'm going to win on the economy. I feel like what's implicit is he's saying and 800,000 people are going to die, but people are going to forget that in six months. I think he's thinking, I, I, I obviously gave up long ago trying to understand the, you know, Sort of logic yeah mental mental <laughs> quagmire of his brain but but uh i think if he's thinking of herd immunity that is really disconcerting because that means millions of people will die yeah but yes. uh but if he even with herd immunity we don't we don't know enough I mean, herd immunity is a theory. We don't know it. It is a theory that will develop antibodies that will last forever. These are both theories. We don't really know. I mean, there was a study out recently of, in Spain, which is only, you know, they had a massive outbreak, you know, per their population. Only 5% of people have the virus. So the idea that we're going to be the skinny pig of herd immunity, where that herd immunity hasn't happened anywhere, not even in Sweden. Sweden was trying and it wasn't working. I mean, you know, yeah, was and, so, and they backtracked and it's, yep. and because you know what you can't do no country, the idea of herd immunity, which the UK had in the beginning, this concept of herd immunity, which is the young people will get it and the old people will isolate. But the reality is no society is structured. That's not, oh, you know, authoritarian no society structures where you can actually separate people so easily so you know that's how right. people ended up dying in sweden and so you know the idea of it is so crazy i actually think he has another theory which is if he just doesn't talk about the numbers people won't care and and you know that's why he stopped doing his press conference and he just thought if press conferences and he just thought if we stop paying attention to it and he starts talking about other things the virus will recede into the background, which I think was another, not, you know, obvious failure because people are rightly, uh, you know, scared and just freaked out by the virus being yeah. so ever present. So I think he's, just, you know, I think he's made a series of just gigantic miscalculations throughout this process, and hopefully, so hopefully, we won't have to live with this forever. <laughs> so Cliff, Cliff is going to need to do a quick ad, but I also need to tell you what CNN's breaking right now, and we can talk about it after the after. And it's trust me, you're you know we're all up on this. Justice Ginsburg is getting chemo for cancer lesions on her liver. Oh, oh my God. all right. You know what? I, and I hate to do that as a segue into Plexiderm, but Cliff, give us the quick ad, and then let's talk a little bit about the Supreme Court and the election and all of that. Uh, make me segue into this after that. I know. Well, hey. <laughs> well, hey, John and Ira, you know what I hate? <laughs> when your social media pops up with a summer vacation pic from five years ago, great memories, but ugh, it's like one of these wrinkles and tags around my eyes show up. Delete. 
Not this summer. No more pop-up pop picks with deep wrinkles, fine lines, and bags under my eyes. And no, I didn't get surgery. I got Plexiderm. <laughs> Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under eye bags, all in the comfort of your home in minutes. Plexiderm goes on clear, lasts for hours. Nobody will know you your secret unless you tell them. Uh, the results will blow you away. Get Plexiderm and love how you look and feel this summer in the mirror and in photos. Go to tryplexiderm.com and use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm, plus an additional $10 off. Or try a $14.95, $14.95 trial pack today by calling 1-800-685-1292. That's 1-800-685-1292. And mention the code VOICES again. Visit triplexiderm.com and use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle, plus an additional $10 off. Or try the $14.95 trial pack when you go to 800, or you call 800-685-1292 and enter the code voices all right now let's get back to something slightly different <laughs> the supreme court but um oh god you know near the th- cliff and i were talking about this the other day what obviously we know what worries us about ginsburg getting sick but what really worries me is the republicans would not let us have a new Supreme Court nominee in the fourth year of the presidency had we pulled what they pulled with Merrick Garland. They'd say, no way. You stole the earlier seat. You said the rule was no Supreme Court nominees in the last year. You're not getting it. I feel like if they do it, we're going to get upset, but we're going to do what we always do, which is 10 steps less than what they do. We're going to be 10 times less angry, 10 times less scary. You know what I mean? Are we going to be able to stop this if if we have to replace her? No. So let me say two things. First of all, I absolutely think we should say, and in this point, it's the right thing to say that if she were to step down, and I know, I know that she's not stepping down, but if Thank something God. were to happen, uh, if something were to happen that she, that uh, Democrats would absolutely say we shouldn't, you know, the this the confirmation process would be going through September, and voting is happening in September, so. Uh, it's a lot different from four years ago when that Supreme Court vacancy opened up in, I believe, January or February. January, so, I believe, obviously yeah. Obviously, very, yeah. very different place. And we should absolutely say that. I mean, there is obviously a big difference, which is <laughs> Republicans hold the majority in the in the Senate and Democrats do not. They held the majority, which allowed them to stop it four years ago, and they hold the majority now, which allows them to put it forward. So I think that's a significant difference, but I also think, um, I, I do think Democrats have shifted and are more aggressive and I'm a big believer in being more aggressive. And I, I imagine that they'll say that they're not even gonna consider a, a nominee, but that doesn't stop Mitch McConnell. But hopefully we will, not, yeah. we will not have to, we will not have to cross <clears throat> that bridge. Let's hope we don't. And obviously, just for her, let's yeah. hope she's doing okay because she's. No, yeah, no, my, I mean, yeah. my great wishes for her, and I'm. I mean, I know it's it's hard for her, I'm sure, but I'm. I know she's probably staying on the court during her chemotherapy because yeah. she knows what the stakes are. Yeah. Jeez. Well, let's let's pivot yeah. to the election. I mean, how are you feeling? <laughs> and not just uh, not just presidential, but House and Senate. You know, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. I'm I'm optimistic. I mean, I, I know that as as uh, Democrats and, and everyone in the center left were a little bit shell-shocked from 2016, so we don't want to uh, jinx anything. And I, I always knock on wood when I say I'm optimistic. But to step back, I, I, really, um, I really think that there are elections in our lives, or, you know, there are elections in American history, which are incredibly consequential, 1960 and 64, <laughs> 1932, in which the country is really looking at the abyss, right? They are looking at a, a kind of fork in the road of what kind of country they want to be. And, you know, my view of the elections this November is either we extorsiate, you know, the demons, in the country, <laughs> you know, the kind of we kind of repudiate the racism and division and divisiveness in this election, or essentially we we are the demons. We accept that, that is who America is. And in 2016, I think Trump put together a coalition of people who really believed, you know, the kind of racism and you know liked him for those reasons. And then a, a, another group of people who thought. 
oh, that's just all showmanship and he won't be that way. And now there's no excuse. And I think, I think that I've thought this since 2017 the, and why it was so important to resist Trump from the banning, something both of you did and not everyone did, but both of you did. And, you know, the important thing was to show an alternative path and to, you know, basically go to this question for the country, which is, you know, what kind of country do you want to be? And I think it's actually possible to build a large-scale governing majority that repudiates Trumpism. And that's what, you know, it takes a lot of work. I mean, we can't just look at polls and say it's all done. You know, we still have to right. contact everyone who know voting. I mean, there, there are real challenges. Voter registration isn't as good amongst Democrats as it has been in prior years because new voter registration, because of the pandemic. So that puts right. a lot of focus on each of us as individuals contacting everyone we know. So there's a lot of work to do, but I, you know, I think we can have, uh, you know, a very strong repudiation in November if we all work very hard. And, and that is, and then I think, you know, and a repudiation means bringing not one or two Senate seats, but bringing several Senate seats. And that's, I think, possible. Not, I'm not saying it's, absolutely likely it's not maybe even probable it's more probable that it'll tighten a bit but it is possible and i think that is a statement a statement of many things but the possibility of us to become a better country than we've been over the last few years and and i don't think we should let that you know you talk about that fear the shell shock limit our ambitions you know, so it's one thing to, 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 as you said, to not get overconfident and realize we have to turn out every single vote and get people registered and do everything that we need to do. But at the same time, you know, there are a lot of what I would call small C conservative, you know, handicappers, mm -hmm. the, the usual political analysts who are very careful. The ones that, you know, we're still saying Democrats would win 28 seats before we won 40 or 24 yeah. or whatever. You know, you know, and I'm not insulting them. I'm just saying that's their job. The Cook folks, you know, Sabato, yeah. whatever. And you know, you're seeing, I mean, when you see Sabato saying, you know, that uh, Utah and Montana and Kansas are no longer solid Republican, you know, well, that's something to pay attention to. When you see that Joe Biden is up in advertising in Texas, um, that's something to pay attention to. You know, when you see the Cook political report saying that Georgia is now no longer lean Republican, but a toss up. And they just moved 20 seats, all 20 that they moved in the direction of Democrats. Um, you know, these are things we should be paying attention to when it's those kinds of handicappers and saying, OK, um, this tells us we can win. We're in the realm. They're going to do everything they can to try to cheat the Republicans. It's what they do. They'll try to suppress votes and the rest. But, the, you know, if we do this, if we get out there and we fight. There's a lot of possibilities and, and there's a lot of chance to go big on this one. And we really, you know, it doesn't mean we shouldn't make sure we win those states we have to win. But whether it's presidential or state legislative, I feel like, you know, we should go for it because this could realign and be a big difference. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really agree. I guess I would say um, I'm a thousand percent believer uh, that you need to have, you need to win 270 votes. And I do oh. think people are anxious that the, you know, the, the state polling was inaccurate in 20, in 2016, et cetera. But I, I mean, in, in reality, this race has been very different. In 2016, there were multiple moments. I know, I remember each one of them. I freaked out in each one of them. But there were multiple moments where Hillary was even with Trump or even a point or two behind before the Republican, you know, in May, um, before the Republican convention, during the Republican convention in September, it was even, and late 2016, it, it, late October, it closed. So there were moments that it came back to even. And this race, this race has been one in which Biden was, you know, kind of close to Trump, I think, in January and sort of the heat of the primary, but for the most part, has really for over a year been ahead of Trump. And uh, my own view is that the campaign, the Biden campaign and the whole, the DNC and the whole infrastructure needs to absolutely assure 270, you know, electoral vote victory. And Wisconsin is not, a, you know, a shoe in state at this point. There's still weaknesses in, in the state <clears throat> like Wisconsin. True. But, but um, having said that, the, this is all a matter of resources and it's really a matter of all of us. I mean, it, it's, 
if we have if the Democratic Party and Democrats produce enough resources to compete in Texas, that is a you know to to compete in Texas for Biden to compete in Texas means that we will likely secure a range of House seats. And I mean, there were a range of House seats in 2018 that were one or two or three points, and no one really contested. So, you know, Nancy Pelosi learns from that, and now she's she's the the DCCC, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, has really invested in Texas. So the Biden decision to actually advertise in Texas, I think, is a really important one. And you know, just to say what Republicans do, I mean, Republicans are aggressively look at the map and think about not just their presidential election, but how do they seed into, you know, how do they seed future leaders? How do they work at the state and local level? And, and Democrats have been much better at that since 2016. But I will just, I will just close with this election is, is about many things. It is about, you know, just actually saving our democracy and essentially saving the global order and now saving lives in a pandemic. But this election is also about the 2020 census and yep. whether states can gerrymander and that is really critical it's really critical to win seats in the state legislature in texas so that democrats have a seat at the table at redistricting it is really important to have seats in that georgia legislature in georgia so democrats have a seat at the table of redistricting when Democrats have no seat at the table in a state, these states get massively gerrymandered and it takes a decade to deal with it. So that is why I think this year it is so vital that we contest in places or Democrats contest in places that they don't aren't used to contesting. And that's for all of us. You know, there's all there's things all of us can do. Joe Biden has a job, it is to win the presidency. But the entire infrastructure of the Democratic Party, the DNC, the myriad groups, the National Democratic Redistricting Committee, you know, there's a lot of entities that can help. And if we have a, you know, if we have a hugely consequential election, it can reshape politics, not just through 2024, but through until 2030. And so I just want to say one quick thing, John, because okay, yeah. I have to put in my plug. Um, okay. Which is, which is, and you're exactly right. I mean, we can potentially win state houses in places like Texas and, and Georgia. I'm sitting here in Cincinnati, in the state of Ohio, and I mention it simply because we last in 2018 won two state Supreme Court seats, and we've got two up now. And if if this kind of a wave ends up helping us so that we win the other two, even though we won't have the state legislature or governor, we will have a majority on the state Supreme Court and they will not be able to gerrymander in an insane way without us overturning it. So even those types of elections we should be looking at. Because, Absolutely. Because in, in a lot of states, you know, in Ohio is another one, the seventh biggest state where they, they've essentially had four seats that really should be ours, at least three anyhow, the last 10 years, by the way they gerrymandered. So, you know, in all these types of states, I think there are ways that we can do a lot sort of down ballot to, 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 for the, you know, for the census coming up. Now, I'll let you go, John. That's right. <laughs> I had to um, we've got another quick yeah, ad to do. I, I, I figured you agree. Uh, we have another quick ad to do. And then I want to ask you about holding Trump responsible if he loses and how we do that and if we're going to do that. But I'll tell you what my theory is on that. So first, the Clean Phone Pro. We all know that the Clean Phone Pro with its powerful UV lights kills bacteria and viruses that live on your cell, car and house keys, credit cards, earbuds, face masks, and more. But what happens when you're driving to the store, you reach for your face mask and you realize you wore it yesterday. Now you can sanitize that mask in under five minutes in your car because the Clean Phone Pro now ships with a powerful car plug adapter included in the package. So whether you're keeping safe at home or have to go out, you can have the benefits of the Clean Phone Pro with you and sanitize those constantly touched items anywhere, at home, in the car, or at the office. Get the Clean Phone Pro now with a car plug-in. Add the code SEXYLIBERAL, one word, at checkout, and you'll get free two-day shipping. Only you can defend yourself and your family from bacteria and viruses. <laughs> I love that. I was like, get an AR-15. Uh, get the new Clean Phone Pro. Just kidding. Get the new Clean Phone Pro package. Get KN95 face masks and get free two-day shipping by adding the code SEXYLIBERAL. That's one word again. Go to thenewdealshop.com. We are done with the ads. So, Nira, my theory on this is, in terms of holding, there's two issues here. One, trying to hold Trump and company accountable. And what I mean that is, you know, Bill Barr especially, uh, but Trump himself for the things they've done. Secondly, 
And can that even can that even be done, or should that just be done by local states, attorney generals, things like that? B, uh, how do we make sure that another Trump never takes over? That all these stresses we've seen in the system, such as who knew so much had to be done by Congress to stop a bad president, and if Congress just throws its head hands up in the air like the Republicans are doing, there's nothing we can do to stop him. But my other, this is, it really is a two-part question. My other concern though is if I were Biden, I'll even admit this. If I were Joe Biden and I win the election in the fall, my big two priorities are the virus and the economy. From out the gate, that's my priority because we're going to be in a deep recession and the virus is going to be running wild because of the stuff Trump is doing. The last thing on my mind- And reinvigorating international coalitions would probably be a big deal. Yeah, you know, yeah, Cliff, but not yet. I mean, from my perspective, my citizens are dying and, you know, we may be up to a million deaths, right? We're up to a million deaths at that point, let's say, and the economy is, you know, heading towards a depression. I've got to turn that around. And if I do anything to tell the Justice Department or the Justice Department on its own- to go after Trump and Barr and all the, all the excesses they did, it's going to look like I'm totally off topic and just being, being you know, a vendetta. So, I mean, can we yeah, hold Trump yeah. accountable? But also, what do we do legislatively so that no future president can do this crap? Well, I mean, I do think the founding fathers uh, did not really conceive of the kind of partisanship <laughs> yeah. we had today. They were a little that, too hopeful, uh, weren't they? <laughs> the, the separation of power. Pa- I mean, I think they thought the separation of powers would work more effectively than it has and really didn't account for the level of partisanship where Republicans, you know, and this is obviously different than Watergate. Republicans were willing to turn, turn a blind eye towards, you know, I'm seemingly obvious illegal behavior and not allow the not allow any true accountability to take place uh, and there's been you know example after example of that so that is a broad question of how to address that problem which is how partisanship can um essentially overturn the separation of powers because our traditional answer to this has been the separation of powers like vesting enough power in different branches i mean and just to say this uh, imagine if we had a parliamentary system, which Trump's majority had just won, and there was no blockage. There was no possibility oh, yeah. of yeah. taking a house. You know, you can get win a house, win the house back against them. I mean, it, it would be truly frightening. So, I mean, we should recognize that the Democrats winning the house means that he hasn't really been able to pass legislation. And while our house, our our lives are, you know, miserable from, or at least I feel like my life is miserable from this man. <laughs> He has he has been limited in his damage from that uh, from that. But so I I don't really know the answer to that. I mean I think the big there are norms that we thought would carry that he just flouts. So maybe some of those norms have to become laws, and there are laws that are flouted. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, and there are laws absolutely, and then there are laws that uh, aren't effective if they're not willing to be enforced by the Senate. So we may have to be may have to think of other alternatives. On your broader question, yeah, I take a different tact- tactic on this. I mean, I hmm. sort of maybe in the beginning thought, uh, you know, Obama was right to just start afresh and not hold Bush accountable. But I actually think that that is empowering Trump. I think the thought that no one, you know, a new administration will turn, you know, will just, you know, start afresh. Right. Turn the other cheek. Yeah. To bring bring us together. Yeah. Right. Allows a just, you know, I allow the Bill Barr to think that he can be, do whatever he wants and he won't face any punishment. And so I think it's really important, actually. And I don't think people should have vendettas. I don't think they should use the Justice Department against, you know, political enemies. I think there should just be an analysis of, People broke the laws or not. We're a country of laws. Because you're a politician, you're a president, doesn't mean you're inured from the laws. That is my position. And if they just, I, I absolutely believe that the United States government can do multiple things. And I think it's kind of a, I think one thing of the Trump era is that you, I mean, there's nothing good out of this era. era it's been totally terrible. But, you know, different people can do different things in the government. And I, I worked in the Obama administration during health care and, you know, Rahm Emanuel had this theory that, like, you didn't, you wanted to do everything to make it possible to pass the ACA, and there were many things we didn't do for the first year because all of our focus was on the ACA, and I think 
that truly that was a mistake. The White House, the president, president, if we have a President Biden, President Biden should absolutely focus all of his energy, a thousand percent of his energy on saving people's lives, stopping this virus, containing and then ending the virus in the United States and bringing our economy back. And we know those two things go hand in hand, right? We are a lived experience that you cannot bring this this economy back without stopping the virus. So that should be his priority, but then he should have an attorney general he has he has confidence in, the country has confidence in, who can actually, you know, be trusted to just look for law breaking. And if they and I again I don't think we should be we don't should not we should not act like Trumpers. So if there isn't law breaking, we shouldn't right, use right. the you know, we shouldn't no, use the wheels of government to go after enemies, but I do think that it is an important issue for accountability in the future. If you want to stop the future Trump administration, the way to do that is to show them, show political actors now that if you take power and you act illegally, then you will be prosecuted. And and no one in the Trump administration has had this theory because it has just not happened. And in the, right. that is what contributed to a guy who was willing to let the Russians kill American soldiers because he's not, he knows he's not going to face any penalty for it. And that is the mistake. And we're not even so talking I about believe... that. You know what I mean? Like not you, but, but the <laughs> Russian stories like, Oh, so 15 minutes ago. I know. Yeah, and we... I think the truth of it is you need the reason why it's 15 minutes ago, because we've all lived through him doing heinously egregious things and facing no penalty. And to the extent there is actual law breaking in any of this, we need to root it out and find it. And I feel like you need much more of a truth and reconciliation commission where you actually know what happened and then yeah. deal with it rather than just paint over what happened. We should not paint over anything that happened. That will not help America going forward. You know, and I ugh, I don't even want to say this because it's so conspiracy theory-ish, but getting back to what you said about why Trump is doing with the virus, the only thing that does make sense and is consistent is if you keep thinking he was not bought off by Putin, maybe, maybe Putin did threaten him. Maybe it's not a hotel cliff. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's both. It's, it's it law breaking. One or the other, it it right? could be law breaking. It could be carrot and stick, but, but you know, the man had like six conversations with Putin in the last couple of months. I don't know if you saw that story. It detailed the dates. Yeah, there were like did. two of them in April. And we were all going, what do you mean? He's been talking to Putin. What about what? I really like I am so far I used to ban all those crazy 9-11 truthers from my blog, right? Like I am so not a conspiracy guy. But like if you think of him trying to do everything Putin would want, then what he's doing on the coronavirus is exactly what Putin would tell him to do. Well, what he's you, doing you with think our we know, John, like I mean, what you know, done. it's I don't think it's conspiracy. I think it's, it's you, weird you, though, Cliff. Like even I can't believe know. it yet. You have to oh. say we don't know that that's the reason. You have to be we have to be honest, as <sighs> Nira was saying, we're not like them. But yeah. at the same time, when we've seen his behavior before, we know one of the main main uh, objects of, of Russian uh, disinformation is to sow racial discord in this country. It's been there. It's Khrushchev ever since the days yeah. of Khrushchev coming oh, here too. and staying right, in Harlem on yeah. purpose. They've always said it. So, and then suddenly Trump is, is talking about Confederate statues when it really makes no sense for his reelection. Yeah. I mean, if you don't ask these questions, I think you're as guilty of people who jump to conspiracies when they don't have the evidence. You know, you have I to mean, at least consider Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I guess I, I guess no, no, no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. I say, I think, I think we can say this, which is, it is hard to imagine a series of decisions by any one president that could weaken our country more. So maybe yeah. we're all going to be wrong, and he's actually a puppet of China. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, who knows, <laughs> That's right? the best thing you can say like, about him. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it's like, but it it is. I I I agree a hundred percent. We don't know. Uh, we don't know what the facts are, and maybe one day we will. And and we don't know what it is about this, like his relationship with Putin, why so differential, and almost every decision he takes, but it, just think about every, every slice of decision. I mean, weakening the NATO alliance, um, yeah. you know, sort yeah. of mishandling the Middle East, deferring to them on Syria, you know, I mean, there's, and, and then just at a global level, uh, sowing racial division in our country. And honestly, I mean, think about this, this guy campaigned, I say this all the time on Twitter, but it's like he campaigned on making America great. And we are the weakest 
We are, we have been, this virus has brought us to our knees. Germany is up for business, right? I mean, they're having international travel, like their economy, restaurant, restaurant usage in, in Germany today is higher than it was a year ago. Hmm. And their case, they are at like less than a few hundred cases a day that they completely contain. You know, they have 300 cases over there. We, we have, right. you know, we, we have 70,000 in a day now. And it's just, it's, it's incredible. And to me, it's just, you know, also it's just the things we assume with Trump. Like it is crazy to have 50 state plans to deal with a virus that knows no borders. Crazy. No country dealing with this has 50 state plans or, or, or right. only allows, you know, Germany has as much of a federal system as the United States. They have very strong federal governments. At the beginning of this, Merkel brought in all her governors. They have met every two weeks. They hashed out what their national plan is and what they would all do. And essentially, they, have a, they had a national plan. And they were able to break the back of the virus. It was an upside-down V. It went up. And it came down. It went up pretty sharply, and it came down pretty sharply. And they, everyone's wearing masks. There's, you know, they have a crazy right-wing, like proto-fascist political party called AFD over there. They're yeah. not in power, but they have. A, and and you know, they're still everyone's wearing masks, and they wear masks, and they're like living. And in our country, we have a 50-state plan. Why? Why do we have that? Just because Trump decided he didn't want to have a national plan, right? He didn't right. ever want to have a national plan. Just decided. This is this is a state issue, and it's like you know it didn't need to be a state issue because it could have been. Well, this is exactly issue. the thing I would argue that should almost never, ever, ever be a state. I mean, there are things that can be exactly. state issues, and it's, then right. I mean, you want public, local public health officials to inform, you know, how you allocate resources, and you know, talk to your hospitals about how you're structuring things, but in terms of a plan to fight a pandemic, you need a national plan, which is exactly why the Obama administration wrote up a national plan that they promptly threw in the garbage. I mean, you can't, it's just insane. We're like alone in the world with being this insane. But Nira, at the beginning, Sorry. I mean, no, and this isn't, no, 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 not at all. I'm, I, I know you've got to go in a couple of minutes. That's why I wanted to jump in with this. Um, no, I mean, but if you think about it, at the beginning, remember, it was all red states that were having the problem. Or red states, excuse me, blue states. So it was New York City was having the problem. Seattle was having the problem. Then it was LA and San Francisco. Then it was Chicago. We kept getting all these blue states. And Trump, if you nationalize it, then he's responsible for all the deaths in the blue states. I think to some degree, he was trying to wash his hands of the entire thing, let Cuomo screw up, let, you know, let, let, uh, is it Lightfoot? I was going to call her Lightfoot. Is that, is that uh, her name, the new mayor in Chicago? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Mayor of Chicago, Lightfoot. Yeah, Lightfoot. Um, and others, let them screw up and let the Democrats be to blame. And all of a sudden, as you've all been saying, oh, what a surprise. We have 50 states, not just three, and they're all connected. Most People connected. actually travel across borders. Right. How so crazy. now it's become a blue state problem, but he'd already washed his hands. And now I think, like I said, now I think he's pivoting to herd immunity. But I wonder if initially he just wanted to wipe his hands and let the blue states not only die, but also eh, blue state governors have, and maybe members of Congress will have to pay for it. I I think this, I think you're on to something really important. And I also, I think it's a little bit more profound. I mean, I think this is a, is a fundamental thing, which is if, if, if you see yourself as the president of the country, you handle this like it's a national plan, a national problem and a national, you need a national plan. But he's never thought of himself as the president of the country. Right. He never for one minute thought he was president of the country. He has always thought he's the president of his voters. And so I think this was a global mistake. But he basically was like, I don't have to do anything for the country. I mean, honestly, when New right. York was facing these massive shortages, he sent tests to Florida, which was totally crazy. But that's because he only cares about people who vote for him. Yeah. And the problem is the virus basically, you know, thwarted him, you know, utterly thwarted him because he not only didn't care about the blue states, but obviously the virus goes across states. And he told the red states the exact wrong thing to do. And now red states will suffer, are suffering worse. We have a worse outbreak in these states than, than I mean, the Northeast, uh, I don't, I mean, I hate to say this, but like the incidence level now in DC is under 2%. Right. 
And right. it's, you know, it's pretty stable in the Northeast because people are doing the right thing. And they're, you know, we have outbreaks from people traveling, but they have enough apparatus to be able to control these things. I'm, I'm worried about school openings and college, and college campuses. But other than that, you know, the Northeast is handling this well. And it's really a massive outbreak in the South. And the reason that is, is he both thought, he both didn't care about blue states. And then he just told the red states the exact wrong thing to do. I mean, yeah, yeah. we all said it. It is crazy to reopen when you have no strategy to contain the virus. Right. You have to have a containment no strategy. Testing, you no testing, no ability. Yeah, you have to be able to not just test, <clears throat> but once you test, get people to uh, isolate and <laughs> basically trace who they've been in contact with. So you can, I mean, the most important thing with this to stop an outbreak is to is to ensure that you have some mechanisms for containment, which no state is good at. But then there are states who don't make who never even tried because they never even did a mask mandate. I mean, Florida has or no they undo the local mask one. mandate now. I know, which is also I mean, it's it's like that's that's literally policy to kill people. I mean, yeah. this is a policy. Georgia over the last couple of days deciding to pass a yes. law. That doesn't allow <laughs> cities to use masks is a strategy to what is he, more people. What, okay, but that's a perfect example. What is he doing? Apparently, that's a governor, Republican, who was traveling around the state promoting masks in the last two weeks, and now he's banning cities from requiring masks. What Help me here? What is I mean, I, going on? My only mind? theory, I, I honestly think, I mean, I just, I honestly think he saw Trump that day. Trump told him something about math, and oh. then he just did this. I just don't. I obviously, who knows? But the, yeah, again, but Trump I said mean, you can't let him do that. You just can't let him do that. Well, yeah. I and I, also, I honestly think you know we spent a lot of time talking about how Trump controls his base, but I think there's a fair amount of this in which his base controls him. I mean, he these people don't want to wear a mask, and he sees it on Twitter, and then he basically is like, people shouldn't wear a mask. It's crazy. Right. I mean, it is literally crazy, and it's the opposite, obviously of same leadership in a in a time like this so <sighs> i can now feel like i've vented all my, all my well i'm glad at least you're healthier otherwise exactly that could kill you're that okay kill right there <laughs> no i just it really I, know, is, though, I, I mean i'm sorry go on yeah i mean you got like we got you like for I two know, more I'm minutes saying, go ahead. It's, it's, just, it's been the whole thing is just constant enraging but I will say, you know, the yeah. most important thing for all of us to recognize is, uh, you know, we really have, you know, three and a half months to save the country. And so, I, I you know, if, if to all your listeners, you know, <laughs> just say anything you can do on on any day to, you know, make sure your friends and family are voting and like explaining to them what's the stakes, you know, your annoying cousins and other states that you haven't talked to in a long time. And you think um, you can't get to, you know, you may be able to get to them. People, I will say in this moment, um, you know, voters are shifting. They have, yeah. they're not all voters, obviously, but lots of voters are shifting. They're much more open to arguments. And I think the reason really why is because Trump has always been a chaos machine. He's always been a disaster. But it's, you know, it didn't, it didn't directly affect their yeah. lives, yeah, what no. kind of disaster is. And now, you know, people see it in their lives in both cases. People see it in their lives with the virus, obviously. Yep. People are personally freaked out about what's happening with this virus. But even with the protests, I mean, the fact that protests are happened everywhere, you know, that they were in rural places, that it was multi-racial and multi-generational protests. And people like who have probably never seen a protest on race relations in their lives saw it in their rural town or their local suburb. I mean, I still see protests and, you know, ran Washington, D.C. And they're led by white people, which is yeah. fantastic. I, I think that, you know, these are two things that have made people. Um, and, and, and the economy. <laughs> Lost jobs yeah. and yeah. everyone freaked out about the economy. And well, you know what, Cliff, this is before, you know, we talk about the market going down, whatever. Everyone has been affected. Whether, whether you know, my nephew took a 10% pay cut, the guy down the hall did too, or people lost their jobs. You know, my sister's work was closed and she didn't know initially if she was even going to get anything, you know, and now, yeah. and she did think that, but now they're working again. But I guarantee you, even the folks working, they're not doing full capacity. And I wonder over the next year, which everybody does, are companies going to really be able to keep all their employees if they're not working at full capacity over the next year? Right. I mean, this is this is only just begun to feel yeah. pain. But I think everyone gets that now so that it's it's 
God, it's kind of fascinating how different this is from a year ago because we would always have to explain to people, no, 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 this it looks like things are good, but trust me, what he's doing affects your lives, even if you aren't immigrant children in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. We we definitely <laughs> you know? have to, we have to draw the connection to what he was doing in your life. And yeah. now people see it. But I'd say, you know, I, I wrote a piece about this. Um but I think this his push to reopening is is really going to be a fundamental problem for him because, you know, early on in the virus, you know, people could say it's just a natural disaster. And then he was really pushing people to reopen. So people thought, oh, he's, you know, sort of like a cheerleader. He's for reopening. He's pro economy. But now we have this continuing surge, which other countries don't have. And that this continuing surge is making our economic pain a lot more, a lot worse. And we'll see more data on that. But Credit card usage is down. You know, states that have reopened, you see data, their their economies are coming down because obviously people are freaked out and they're closing some things. And so really, I think like he has to own this, this Southern surge that is really going to make our economic pain a lot worse. I mean, other countries face this virus. And as I said, you know, they took, had sharp economic pain, but they're able to come back. We are not coming back because this guy has mishandled this virus. You know, I mean, his That's mishandling exactly right. this virus, very simple. Mishandling this virus is, is killing people and making our economic misery a catastrophe. Da, 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 da. We always say that. Like, we, end, we, end, <laughs> we end. You were doing so good on the hopeful for the election part. <laughs> no, but you're right, though. But well, I know, anyway, but, you know, but yeah. we need to communicate that to everyone so that we have the you know, no, no, full election yeah. results. No, no, I agree. I agree. And in the end, I mean, I, you know, I, I, it's, I, I do hear, I mean, I, you've really got to go. I know that. I don't mean to keep you here, but I still hear from people online who say, yeah, but they're going to cheat. They're going to steal the Russians. They cheat with the voting, the, yeah. you know, everything they do. That's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Look what happened to Hillary. Yeah. There she won, but she lost. I mean, they, you know? they do have one ace in the hole, which is that they, uh, I, and I think they're, you know, the, this is really important for the next coronavirus package. Their only, I mean, not their only hope, things could, could shift dramatically, but one of their singular hopes is to is to ensure the voting is so screwed up, you know, right. that um, people don't. And the way to do that is to make sure there's no money for vote by mail. And, hmm. you know, in, in New York right now, it's taking like it's over a month to get the results because they didn't have staff. They didn't hire new staff to do the work. Like right. states have to hire staff now and train them now to be able to do vote by mail and and actually honestly read the results quickly. And so uh, right. that's what the last you know one not ace in the hole, but one one arrow in their quiver that remains is this whole question of getting states to do vote by mail. And yeah. you know yeah. we need to ensure there's money in this package that passes the Congress. Yeah. That, that there is money for this otherwise we are in you know trump has he yeah. it could also hurt him because older people may not vote and yeah but his that, older you know, voters will vote more than ours will right yeah his maybe, older voter if, I mean, if, maybe what, what i mean is yeah, if you're so, looking at voters the trumpies are going to be less worried about the virus than the democrats i worry so that they may turn out more yeah. in that regard yeah yeah so that's that's absolutely why this should be yeah. essential and it's really it's about our democracy, but it's also about public health. I mean, you could have massive virus spread. So yeah. that is a, that is, you know, so that is our last, so I do think people should really focus on ensuring that money comes through. And I no, mean, I'll just say so no, that we have a, a free and fair election. Well, anything resembling that, I mean, I'll just say quickly, again, we hear the same thing all the time. We've been hearing it ever since 2000, you know, probably before that. And yet, you know, Obama won two elections. <laughs> we just, we just in 2018 won a big election. You know, it's not yeah. all rigged. It's not, they will try to suppress our votes. They will try to cheat. We know they will. And that, and that shouldn't lead to learned helplessness. That should lead to us fighting that much harder to make sure right. that every vote is counted. Absolutely. And, that, you know, and the way, right. the way to, I mean, just to go back to the beginning of this, the way to ensure that they will not be able to cheat is to have the largest electoral margin victory you can possibly yep. have. So one, yep. you're not reliant on one state's problems. You have multiple states you can deal with. 
Yep. We exactly. may not be there. We may be just, you know, maybe 270 states, but we have the ability if, you know, everyone works over the next three and a half months to ensure everyone they know is voting and, you know, and where they can persuade them to vote uh, for a same candidate. <laughs> you know, There's I only one. That, uh, there, you know, I think that will make sure then you know you, you're not reliant on just shenanigans in some place see yep. we ended on yeah, a happier that note that was a good note perfect that was a good note all right well thanks nero this is wonderful <laughs> as always so we're going to get you again after the election and get healthier and healthier <laughs> okay. all right thank you guys so great to be with you all right have bye-bye a, to have you. i'm Take so care. glad to be with you all right thank you bye, bye. All right. Well, that was good as always. I always um, like talking in your yeah. She's fun and very smart and uh, and much more liberal than everybody realizes. I know <laughs> that. I, I, I was tempted at one point. The, the I, I was going to bring that up earlier and tell. Well, her I was going to say to her at one point, I'd be like, "Have you yet been accused of having a neoliberal version of the virus by Glenn Greenwald?" <laughs> actually, actually, that would have been a great question. <laughs> I meant to do that. I just I couldn't, couldn't get it in. I mean, the, I've, I've you know had these conversations oh. with people that she's so demonized. <laughs> as this thing that she isn't. And yeah. I really feel like yeah. it reminds me somewhat of Hillary Clinton. I think it, it's for these, these white male insecure leftists that can't stand the fact that here is right. this, this powerful, successful, attractive, funny minority woman. And they just can't, they can't, they can't deal with it. Right. I honestly right. do. I think it's because they, it's a, the stuff that they throw at Nira. And if you know Nira, you know how far off it is. It's, right. it, it, there's, it has no bearing to reality. So, right. whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I don't know if there's much else to talk about, John. I think we... Uh, no, that was good. That was a great... That was a great summary, I mean, of everything, really. That's, there's, I, got, I got nothing else because we just sort of hit on everything. So, other than, boy... This just, I really am worried about the economy long term, though. I mean, it, I mean, the deaths long term, but just, I don't no see how anything. Stuff, we're already starting to lose restaurants in town. The local Wawa closed up because it, uh, you know, this sort of a, uh, like a Seven Eleven type store. They're, they're uh, based in Philly, where I went to yeah. college. I used to know Wawa quite well. <laughs> but we had one open. Although I didn't love them, we had one. I thought the food wasn't that great. But we had one open a, a year ago nearby. They closed up because of this. They're only going to keep their other store. Uh, some restaurants have already announced some of the big. Oh my God! Uh, who was it on the hill? Uh, Tortilla Coast, I think it was on the hill. Oh wow! Long time. I mean, that's the, the that's what sucks, yeah. and that's what's the irony of all yeah. the stuff that Trump and his enablers have done. Is all they've done is is massively harmed businesses, harmed you know the exact thing they claim they don't want to do, and you would think they wouldn't want to do just out of self interest, out of getting reelected, and you know even if they're ghouls like they are and don't care about people's lives, but I mean. You know, the, by getting past this, we could have opened what I would call the indoor economy again, right? Gyms, restaurants, you know, nightclubs, um, music venues. I mean, I love going and seeing live music and can't do that. You know, and all this kind, all these kinds of places where, you know, sporting events where I don't feel comfortable. I don't think almost anybody does who's following this stuff here. And we can't do any of that. And I don't know how many of those places are going to go out of business, but they are. You know, because even the ones that try to stay open, they're going to end up having, you know, they're going to end up seeing the stuff shoot through the roof and they're going to have to shut down. That's because of, of how much he's failed. Oh, my God. Yes. Well, at least they're starting to see it, although I still hear from family members and stuff out west saying, you know, I don't know. I still think there's overreaction. We didn't need to shut everything down. I mean, I, I well, really I don't know where those are. folks are, but wherever they are, if they're saying I mean, that they're they're lucky right now, but this thing will find them. Oh, well, no. The problem is it's in states where things are really going bad. They still feel like it's just the testing because I think they're watching Fox well, News. Yeah, we're having better but, testing. But when I say it will find them, I'm hoping it's not them themselves, if they're your relatives. But you know what? Somebody next door will get it or their daughter's or son's friend will get it. I mean, th- this thing is not going to stop for Fox News. And even in rural areas where there's not as much interaction, whatever, it's proven eventually it will get out there. So they will see it because when when people they know have it, they'll see it. Yep. Alrighty, guys, it's oh, it's Friday. Jesus Christ! Whoosh. I, well, I was saying like my, my neighbors and I have been joking about this because they're working at home now too, and we're all like, "What day is it? the last weekend?" I forgot it was the weekend. I was like, "What day is it?" They're like, "Saturday." I know. Oh, I didn't know it was the weekend. We were laughing. We're like, "Cause well, cause now you're at home, especially if you're." If you work for yourself and you're at home, it really's gotten mixed up. 
Uh, it's easy. I mean, and for those of us also who have kids, it's been such now a long period of time of having our kids at home that you, you, nothing makes any sense anymore. I mean, since March, my kids have mostly been home, you know, since they're, we, they left for spring break and never went back and we're doing school from home. So, I mean, it's it, like days almost don't mean anything anymore. I mean, my job and my wife's jobs are such that already the boundaries are different as we're consultants. So I might work hard on a Saturday and then have nothing to do on a Thursday. It just depends, right? But then you add in my kids being here all the time and weekends don't seem to have any difference from during the week anyhow. <laughs> Yep. So I'm lost in some vortex of where oh. like no days make any difference from any other days. Well, actually, you're right. The kid thing too, which which we're also going to have that in the fall, which you and I've mentioned. I don't know how the hell. Well, I'm going to be doing a lot more writing, more and saying more because I this you know a friend of mine who I'd like maybe we're going to have him on the podcast. A brilliant guy worked for uh, worked on the Hill for former Congressman Paul Hodes, who ran for the Senate mm-hmm. at one point from New Hampshire. Whatever his name is, Matt Robeson. He writes for Alternate and other places. Brilliant political guy. He just right. wrote a piece arguing how 100% we should absolutely not be going back to school and had a lot of really important points in there. I mean, just, yeah. just where, you know, when you make those comparisons with us to other countries, with what we're doing versus what we're not doing, it's, I mean, it's insane to reopen schools. And unless something markedly changes, which I don't see how that's going to happen in the next month, when a lot of schools start reopening in this country mid to late August, I just don't see how it's possible. Yeah. I don't. No, there, I... Uh... I don't know. Which is another thing like near and everybody was saying, I mean, why would you, if anything, you know what? There's, there's, I'm trying to think again, it's all personal game with Trump. What is the economic or political or personal meaning not going to jail or getting hookers or something? I don't know. But what is the personal gain that you would absolutely positively want to force kids to go back to school? Is it, I mean, maybe he's thinking economic. Maybe he's thinking the I think it's school a normalcy to make it appear like there's normalcy. So people are going back to school and schools are functioning and pe- teachers are getting paid and they're spending on the economy. And so, I mean, I think it's all about that. He doesn't give a yeah. shit. We're all pawns. We die, our kids die. None of that matters to him. It's like he sees us the way you see chess pieces. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't understand chess. So maybe I should have said checkers or fucking marbles or something. But the point is, you know what I mean? Like, that's what we all are to him. We're not thinking, breathing human beings. Oh, absolutely. Just... But that's why I still can't totally – it still feels like there's got to be something more pecuniary. Well, like, it could be. He's getting money out of this somehow. Who knows? Oh, maybe Putin's paying like. him to, to undermine the country further. Maybe I, M- maybe well, MBS is you know paying what? him. Maybe you know, maybe MBS in, in, in Actually, Saudi Arabia is paying him to undermine. I mean there's a whole lot of people that benefit by, from immunity. us being weak. <laughs> if you wanted herd immunity, in other words, I want everybody to die now fast before the election. And then by the time the election comes, everyone's getting better and they forget the people. Mind you, like we're all going to forget the people who died two months after they die. Right. But whatever. You know, they were going to forget all the dead people. And we're going to say, oh, my God, but the economy's back. Trump did it. He brought us through what you'd want to do. You'd want to send everybody's kids to school in August so they get sick and bring it home to their parents. So by September, everyone's sick. And by November, mm-hmm. it's over. And that could be because he's so stupid, he might believe right? that. I mean, but as you know, and I know, we're a country of 330 million people. Only 3 million that we know of have tested positive. Obviously, there's a lot more than that haven't. So let's let the habit that we haven't tested. So let's, let's say that number's even double. Let's say it's yeah. 6 million. Hell, let's say it's triple. Let's say it's 9 million. There's still 321 million people left. I mean, my point is, is that, yeah. is that, you know, there are a lot of, even with the kids all going back, not everybody's going to get it right away. Not every, I mean, it's going to be staggered how, you know, with these breakouts and all this kind of stuff. I mean, there's just no way we'll be fully healthy and like, oh, that's something of the past in October. It's not possible. Yeah. No, I agree with you anyway. Yeah. And I've got what Nira's went through, right. For two months, practically. That's what I mean. I mean. Like this thing lasts yeah. for a while. It, infect, it can infect a lot of people. And sometimes we don't know all this stuff. Why, why, why all this is because of course, you know, we've got a government, yeah. federal government that doesn't function, but you might go in a room with somebody and not give it to them the first week or even the second week. You might give it to them the third week. I mean, you yeah. know, like we don't know this stuff. And so in the end, like to believe that everyone's just going to get it and we're going to reach herd immunity and all that's going to happen in a month. I mean, this is going to play out over six. If, if we were to let this play out right, and we don't elect a sane president, this would play out over six months to a year of these, yeah. I, I'm sure, of yeah. these kinds of outbreaks. Yeah. I, I, 
So, I mean, but that's, again, he has no, it's not always just his pecuniary interest. He, it's also his literal lack of intelligence and competence and severe, severe, I don't say this to take away from anybody because I have some ADHD type things myself, severe, severe ADHD to the point where he cannot plan from day to day anything. Right. It is so difficult for him to sit down oh, and certainly. do any work yeah. so yeah. and do any long-term planning yeah. is impossible. So it may some of it right. may just be that he literally can't bring himself to do what you need to do. And then his ego won't allow him to to hand over the baton to somebody else yeah. to do it. You know what, by the way, that's also a simple possibility, which is initially he did it because of the red state, blue state thing. It was only yep. blue state cities or blue cities that were sick. So he said, screw it. Let, let's have Cuomo. We can blame the Democrats for this. And then when it shifted, it would require him saying he was wrong. Right. And yep. he didn't want any. I mean, it, it could be just as simple as that, but it feels it feels so speci- of a specific choice of his, even like the school thing that I just I mean, maybe the thing is, when somebody is so evil so inept, so intellectually stupid, so mentally disabled. I don't know how else to say it, and I hope it doesn't come off as offensive to people, but I don't know how else to put it. No, but he's got so greedy. You know, when you've got all these issues going on and so compromised with respect to Russia and other places, it could be one of those things, three of those things, five of those things. I mean, that's the reason why these Republicans who protected him have proven they'll protect anything, because it's one thing to have a president who is deeply financially corrupt or is deeply intellectually barren or is deeply, you know, morally compromised or this guy's all of that. Yeah. I mean, and so the thing yeah. is, is like, it could just be that he can't bring himself to sit down and do a plan because he physically is is incapable of it. It could be that intellectually he doesn't understand what's going on. It could be that Putin told him not to do it and he's like, okay, or MBS or whatever. It could be that he sees a financial interest, uh, you know, in doing it. It could be that he sees a reelection interest. I mean, there's so many possibilities here that like, because there's so much wrong with the man that I think you just have to say it's not black and white. It's probably a couple of A and a couple of B, and we just don't know which at this point. Right. But we will at some point because history we usually find out eventually. Yep. Oh, God. All right, let's go. It's been long enough, but I'm, I'm going to yawn at all of you. So, oh, la, la. Oh, we we're giving people a solid hour uh, 15 here. I, I think know, we're uh, on a roll with guests lately, too. We're going to have to think up more now. Well, I've got a couple of great ideas for next week. I brought up that one friend of mine who yep. I think would be good to have, but I've got a I've got a series of other folks I'm okay. thinking about too. So. Okay. All right. We will we will and we gotta also think if there were any of the oldies but goodies that we need to get back to. And Maybe Malcolm. Malcolm has a book out again, so of course he does. Malcolm has a book out every year. Malcolm is like is like you know it's like seeing uh, Tom Cruise or Samuel L. Jackson. Like each of them are in like two movies every year. You know that you it has to happen. That's Malcolm with books. Oh, I know. And Malcolm would come back, of course. We should get him on. He's always so much fun, and I think we should reach out because yeah. So I'd love to have him on. He's somebody that makes sense. You know, there's a few of the other folks that we've had on who who. uh, I think it's been a while and we might want to try to have back. So. Alrighty. All right. Thanks guys. We will see you next week. All right. Take care guys.